Howdy, rom-communists. It's Bluey, and I'm here today with a new podfic for you. I'm already doing podfics for one of my other fandoms, and it occurred to me that I haven't heard anyone doing podfics for Ted Lasso yet, and I thought that was a shame. So I reached out to our mutual friend, Chain of Clovers, and asked if she'd mind letting me pod one of her fics. She sent me a couple of her favorites, and I'll be doing one of them for you today. If you've never heard of Podfic, a quick explainer. Podfics are essentially audiobooks of fanfiction, so you can listen to a fanfic story while doing boring things like cooking, cleaning, driving, or working when you'd rather be reading a good fanfic instead. It's been a fairly big hit over in my other fandom. People have seemed to really love it. And so I thought I'd bring it over to the TNR Warriors and anybody else who's interested in hearing some Ted Lasso fanfic. And so if you're interested in having me pod your fic, feel free to drop me a comment on this one or shoot me an email at blueyreadsfanfic at gmail.com. That's spelled B-L-U-E-Y-R-E-A-D-S-F-A-N-F-I-C at gmail.com and that was really hard to spell out for you and I will take a look at it. So without further ado, let me introduce you to today's fic. This is January by Chain of Clovers. It was published on December 22nd of 2021, so it's relatively new. Um, And it's a one chapter fic. It's 3,482 words and it currently has 156 kudos. The tags for this are Touch Starved and Post Season slash Series 2. And the summary is the first hours of the new year, the first hours they're together, are freezing cold. There is an author note, and I do have permission to read it for you. It says, For Picasso Pickle. Picasso Pickle, I had so much fun writing this story for you, and I really hope you enjoy it. I loved your prompts, and the one that stuck out to me the most was the one about Rebecca's marriage to Rupert leaving her touch-starved, and the experience of being in a relationship with Ted that includes a lot of casual touches. However, I also really liked your prompt about post-sex communication challenges, so I ended up kind of combining that concept with the other one. I hope that is okay. Smiley face. Happy holidays. And now, without further ado, I'm going to read for you January by Chain of Clovers. Turn around. It's time for you to slowly let these changes make you more holy and true. From Wild Time by Way is Blood. The first hours of the new year, the first hours they're together, are freezing cold. Horizontal sleet slashes the air, and gusts of wind propel them through Rebecca's front door as fast as she can wrestle the key into the lock. She and Ted are soaked to the bone, and they can't stop laughing, out of breath, as Rebecca finds them towels, and they make a poor attempt at drying off in the hallway by the stairs. Ted stops laughing first, and Rebecca stops when she notices the way he's looking at her, wide-eyed and serious under his dripping wet hair. Like the near kiss at Keeley and Roy's New Year's Eve party was just a diversion, and now the real night can begin. It's dim in the hallway, with only one lamp on. And as she remembers this moment over the years ahead, her memories will brighten his face beyond what she can see right now. When Ted asks if he can kiss her, his voice is quiet against all the bluster of the out-of-doors. 
and Rebecca thinks, this is the moment. This is the moment it all changes. She's glad it didn't happen at midnight, surrounded by their friends. She's glad to be alone with Ted for this change. She thinks that, and then she smiles at him, and he closes the distance between them, and their lips meet, and the only change is a deepening. Upstairs, it would be fast, except two years is a long time, and for two years they've approached each other and backed off, and approached again and again, all very slowly. And so it's slow and fast and just right, the way they undress and marvel that even beneath all their winter party clothes, their skin is damp from the storm. They marvel at their skin, too, moonlit and lightning lit, and warm despite the chill and then they're in her bed and they kiss for a while and hold each other and let the moment build gradually until he asks to touch her over blissful stretched out minutes ted makes her come a couple of times he whimpers at the feel of her against his fingers like she's fucking him instead of the other way around and when she cries out there's still a storm outside and their voices are still quiet Still something only for this room, only for them. She's heard from Sassy that Ted keeps up a steady dialogue during sex, eager to please, eager for feedback, unable to shut up even during the most intimate of moments. A lot has changed since Ted and Sassy last slept together, but part of her wonders so long after hearing the story when the talking is going to start. But Ted is almost silent. The only sounds he makes are the whimpers and a moan when he's put on a condom from her nightstand and he's finally easing inside her, on top of her, around her. She's already come twice, so she focuses on him, clenching around him with a rhythm she tries to match to the desperate shifting of his hips. But something about the repetitive movement sets her off again and they climb together. He collapses against her when he comes, only slightly his upper arms still holding up much of his weight, and the slight relaxation of his limbs and the relief in his exhale are enough to show her how good it is, and he doesn't stop moving and wedges his fingers between them and mutters that he thinks she can manage it again, and she comes right as he's starting to come down. It's perhaps the most mutual sex she's ever had. Not that she hasn't had other partners who focused on her pleasure, not that she hasn't had nights of reciprocal joy, but this is mutual on a cellular level. Her pleasure is his, and his is hers. Later, when they've cleaned up and replaced the pillowcases with fresh ones that aren't soaked through from their rain-drenched hair, Rebecca walks naked to her dresser and pulls out underwear and pajamas and puts them on, and only realizes after she's done so that ordinarily she'd sleep naked her first night with a man. Her first months with a man, if she's being honest. She'd sleep naked until something happened, some moment that sapped a bit of the early intimacy, and from then on she'd wear pajamas unless it was some special kind of night. But it seems silly to take off her pajamas the second after she put them on, especially right in front of Ted, who sits naked on the bed and watches her with a smile. Any chance you've got a t-shirt I can borrow? He murmurs. It's a cold night. She rummages through her drawer, finds one of her biggest, oldest t-shirts. It's so soft it might be a final holdover from uni, and even finds some black shorts, stretchy enough in the waistband that they won't be too tight on him. Gotta tell you, 
Even in dreary old England, I love sleeping naked in the summer, he says. If he can't read her mind, he's certainly intuited the topic. He stands up and pulls on her old clothes without apparently a second thought. The shorts are very short on him, and Ted doesn't miss Rebecca's attempt not to laugh. What? he says as he gets back into bed, pretending he has no idea what could possibly be funny. I was just thinking I wanted to call you a slut for wearing shorts that short, she says. But I hadn't worked out how to make it feminist. Ted chuckles. Well, I'm not the one who picked them out. My, uh, my boss makes me dress this way. And just like that, Rebecca thinks as she climbs in next to him, it's not sad that they've dressed for bed here in their first hour together. And she checks the clock on her nightstand, the second hour of the year 2022. They're starting off warm, and in the summer, they'll sleep naked. They turn off their lamps, and she lies on her side facing Ted and whispers goodnight. And he mirrors her position and reaches an arm out and touches her shoulder very gently beneath the duvet. His touch lands on the thin, silky fabric of her pajama top, but the sensation radiates out from his palm so strong it would have knocked her flat if she wasn't already laying down. As a child in school, she'd done an experiment with a white carnation and a glass of water and some food coloring. She had squeezed in a few droplets of blue, a bit more than she was supposed to use, and even before the flowers started to take on color, she was mesmerized by the way the dye unfurled in the water like tendrils. Now she's the water, and Ted's touch is the blue. She thinks of the memory for only a split second before her body is the memory, her body and his together. The wind howls outside, and she decides this gentle, almost tentative touch has something to do with how violently it's raining. Protection against the elements. In the morning, Ted scrambles eggs and monitors the toast in the toaster while Rebecca deals with the kettle and the French press. The kitchen is bright with sun, and if it weren't for the still evaporating rain puddles visible through the windows, Rebecca might think she imagined the storm. Staring down at the French press, trying to decide if it's too soon to press the plunger down when Ted sidles up next to her, still wearing her t-shirt and ridiculous shorts, and places a hand at the small of her back. And just like last night, except it's not raining and they're standing up, and it's morning, there's a sharp, aching profundity to her awareness of his hand, the warmth of it, the ripple effect through the rest of her body. It's so extraordinary, she has to close her eyes in its wake, has to twist away from him as though the soft support against her back was a slap in the face. Ted lets go and backs away immediately. Sorry, he says, and she opens her eyes to see color, embarrassment, patchy on his cheeks and neck, coming on too strong. No, no, she says quickly. She turns away from the French press, which can steep a little longer. Come here. She moves closer before he can respond, places one hand on his back and the other on the stubble at his jaw. He bows his head a little at her mercy, his own eyes shut. She scratches at the fabric, then lifts the hem of his shirt and places her hand flat against warm skin. Over the years, she and Ted have shown up for each other, have hugged when one or both of them really needed it. 
She loves watching Richmond matches with Keeley, feeling her press against her side with their arms looped together. She's known Roy for a long time, and now they're close enough friends to sometimes graze each other's cheekbones with a kiss or link elbows when they walk down the street. After years of distance, she and her mother hug at the starts and ends of visits. She stays with Sassy and Nora for a weekend. They pile onto the couch for a movie and snuggle up with the easy familiarity some families are lucky enough to have. She's had the carnal, animalistic energy of her nights with Luca and a couple other guys from the dating apps she used to have on her phone. Still, a type of human connection, still nothing she cares to discredit even now, and the warmth of the secret, stolen intimacy of her brief but memorable weeks with Sam. She's not an untouched person left frigid in an isolation of her own making. Not anymore. Not for a long time. But Ted puts an arm around her shoulders while they're watching Telly and squeezes her upper arm in his hand, and it's as necessary as a meal bringing her back from the brink of starvation. In bed at night, when her eyes are too tired to read, she lets herself slump against him and close her eyes while he reads his book. If she's lucky, on those nights, he uses his free hand to comb through her hair and tuck a loose strand behind her ear, and she has to bite her lip to keep from moaning. They walk hand in hand on the green, and he loops his thumb around hers, and the light pressure isn't an orgasm, but it's not entirely unlike one either. The touch flares inside her, emotional and intense, a sensation that could fade away if she isn't careful this time around. Her body isn't used to Ted's proximity. She loves the closeness, but hates the way it fills her with an aching awareness of what she used to lack. She holds her hand, and she thinks about how Rupert thought it was childish to hold hands. Ted rolls closer as he's falling asleep, and she remembers a different, larger bed in a different, larger house. Thinks of Rupert rolling away from her to sleep with his back turned, muttering that she gave off too much body heat. She doesn't speak these thoughts aloud. She doesn't dare risk poisoning what she and Ted have with these bad memories. Not when it's this early, this precious. Not when Ted already seems a little spooked. Sometimes after sex or in the middle of cuddling, she adjusts her body just slightly in Ted's arms, and that's all it takes for him to pull back and look at her, eyes haunted with something she can't see. He begs her to tell him if it's too much, to tell him if she needs more space, promises her that he can work with that and can adjust as needed. When that happens, she pulls him closer, and as she holds him in the dark, she thinks of Rupert training her to want less. Rebecca FaceTimes Ted, propping up her phone against the pillow where Ted usually rests his head. On each side of the call, their head and shoulders fill the screen sideways because he's lying in bed in his hotel room in Cardiff, and she's lying in bed at home in Richmond. He's away on a two-day scouting trip. The time he's been gone so far is easily countable in hours. But she's looked forward to this call since he left this morning. They've been together for a month, and aside from an overnight trip Rebecca took to Sassy's about a weekend, this is the first night they've spent in separate cities. Hey, he says with a huge smile as soon as the call is connected. There's delight in his voice. So much delight that Rebecca has to remind herself that it isn't fake, isn't outsized and over the top and inauthentic, a gift lavished upon her only to be taken unceremoniously away. One sec. There's the blur of his hand in front of the camera, a couple seconds of dizzying motion, a brief glimpse at the hotel ceiling, and then he resettles into the frame, a bit farther away than before. Had to get you propped up on the other pillow. He fiddles with the phone again, just slightly. Okay, good. Now it's like you're in bed with me. He frowns. Well, 
not really at all, but... At least it's only for one night. Yeah. How are things at the club today? She rattles off a few mundane details, but all she can think about is how she can feel Ted's touch on all the places he isn't touching her. Ted, she says, interrupting herself, the logic isn't perfect, but she's so starved for him that she's going to try to tell him why she feels that way. It's too much. It's worth dredging up all the old problems. It's easier to comprehend saying what she wants to say on a video call with a bit of the old distance back. Can I tell you something about Rupert? She doesn't miss the flash of anger in Ted's eyes at the mention of that name, but it fades right away. Sure, darling, he says. I used to think he didn't really like to touch me, she starts. And even saying this much, she has to close her eyes. When she opens them again, Ted's watching her carefully, waiting. I'd want him to touch me, so I'd try to touch him first, and he'd recoil, and it made me feel ugly. For years, I tried to figure out what it was, something about me that was less than desirable, some preference he had that I couldn't satisfy, so he looked elsewhere. But being with you, I'm realizing it was him. It wasn't that he didn't like to touch me. He didn't want to be touched. He didn't want to connect in those ways. Rebecca... I'm all right, she says. Let me say this. He nods. I'm listening. When you rub my shoulders and play with my hair and hold my hand, it's like, it's the best thing I've ever felt. But you're always worried it's too much, that you're coming on too strong and disrupting my personal space. What makes you say that? I mean, am I, am I giving off the impression that I don't want to be touched in those ways? Because I, I do. Some people don't, Ted says quietly. I used to drive Michelle insane. I'd try to give her space, but I'd gravitate toward her in my sleep and practically suffocate her without meaning to. She's such a good person, and when we really tried to be what the other wanted, and I never wanted to disrespect her or overstep, but I always did, and we never could figure out how to talk about it. So I told myself that if I got lucky enough to get to try again with another partner, I'd check in about that stuff from the get-go. I can't stand the thought of waking up eight or nine years in and it turns out what I thought was cuddling you experienced a suffocation. Oh, Rebecca says. She knows a considerable amount about Ted's marriage and its end, but she hadn't realized this particular issue was about his ex. She thought it was about her. It's embarrassing, isn't it, when you think someone wants something and it turns out they don't? Yeah. I spent a lot of my marriage feeling embarrassed. Me too, says Ted. You don't have to worry about that with me. She hates talking about emotional things. Hates it. But it's a necessity, and something loosens in her as she speaks. And I don't want to have to worry about it with you. We have to be able to trust each other, to ask for what we want, to say so if something isn't what we want. Sometimes you touch me and it feels like I was starving before. And as you touch me, I think about Rupert not wanting it. And then you ask if you're overdoing it. And I don't even know how to tell you how much more I want. I don't even know if you can comprehend 
how much more I want. But instead of having a bit of fun testing those limits, I can't stop thinking about Rupert and how alone I felt with him. I mean, I mean, what's wrong with me that I can't just enjoy being not alone with you? Some memories get in there deep. They do, Rebecca says. I resent it. I'm sorry. Ted looks a little far away for a moment. And when he comes back, he smiles. If I was there right now, I'd rub your neck, massage all the tension out of it. God, yes, please. She raises her hand to her neck and presses with her fingertips from her hairline to the top of her spine. That's it, he says. And when that's feeling better, I'd scratch up and down your arms, just this side of tickling, till you start to get sleepy. She feels silly, but she scratches her fingernails from the crease of her elbow to the crease of her wrist, then switches hands and repeats the motion on the other arm. It's not as nice as when he does it, and her arms aren't even fully visible on screen, but he looks at her with the happiness of knowing exactly what she's doing, and his expression warms her up. Ted grins. I like it when you get all sleepy and start saying funny stuff. Oh, do you? She already knows he does. He already knows she knows. For all she's held back, she's said plenty over the last four weeks. And somehow, now that this conversation is behind them, there's more room in her mind for her to remember all the ways they're already honest with each other. The night Ted really wanted sex, but she had a splitting headache, and he immediately understood why she wasn't up for it. The Sunday after a crushing loss against Manchester United, when he requested that they avoid talking about football for a day, and she was perfectly willing to save her football thoughts for Monday. The way he genuinely likes hearing recaps of her weird dreams. The things Beard is willing to tell her about Ted as a college student, and the parts he would say would be better coming off from Ted. The honesty of their HR file, their FaceTimes with Henry, their double dates with Keeley and Roy. She clears her throat. I'd scoot closer to you when you were done scratching my arms, she says. I'd snake my arm up your shirt. Enough of his torso is visible that she detects the movement of his arm slipping between fabric and his skin, his forearm against his stomach, his hand against the dip of his back. Love you, he says. It's the first time he said it to her in words. He looks as serious as he did when he first asked to kiss her. The water, the blue. I love you too. Can't wait till we can say that to each other in person. Every day, she confirms, starting tomorrow. Every nerve ending in her body is hungry to be touched, to hear I love you again, to reciprocate with her own body, her own breath. But he's back tomorrow. He'll touch her and whisper the words in her ear. And when she pulls him close, he'll stay. The end. I hope you enjoyed it. And leave me a comment. Let me know if you want to hear more. Have a great one. Bye.